We recording, Brandon? We are recording. Perfect. Well, today we are here with my friend King Benefice from Tanzania. And King, so before we get started, I want to talk about yourself for a second. I want to clear up a couple things. No worries. You told me your name was King Benefice. Right. Now, go ahead and clarify. Is your first name King or are you a king? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people, um, my first name, you know, is very long. And it, it derives from a uh, uh, one of the uh, Bantu languages, yeah, which is in Kurundi. Uh, hence why it comes from Burundi. Oh, okay. It just means Chase King. That's why I just translated that first name into King. Oh, okay. Yes. So it's a direct translation. Yes, a direct translation. Yes, it is. Do you mind saying what what it is? And you said it was Bantu. Yeah, it's a it's a Bantu. One of the Bantu languages. It's like you see. The thing is, if you look, I, I don't know how would you call it. If anyone um have done the research or have gone to college initially or mm-hmm. you know back in high school or something like that, they touch upon the uh the uh in world history the second half or the first half. They talk about the first Bantu migration. And the second Bantu migration, you see, uh, below the Saharan, uh, uh, um, any uh, below the Saharan desert, uh, um, in Africa, every language is similar. They have one root language, just like, for example, the Romance languages. They have Latin, mm-hmm. or the Germanic languages. They just they have German. Mm-hmm. So that's how it is. It derives from that, and it just I can, it's Nisumbavios. That's how you pronounce your yeah. Oh, okay. Say, say that again. Nisumbavios. Oh, okay. That's how you say it. Yeah, you have to say it with a V, and some people have accents and whatever, but it, yeah, it just means just king. That's what it means. That's awesome. So is there some sort of family meaning? I mean, king, that's a yeah. That's you, a lofty thing. Why did your parents name you king? You see, the thing is, um, it's just a lot of our, a, a lot of the Eastern... Um, Eastern countries are heavily influenced by Christianity. Okay. Either Catholics, you know, uh, either um, uh, the Catholic Church, or they're either they're part of the Catholic Church or Protestant, or you know, they're just heavily in all divisions uh, in regards to Christianity, and a little bit of one percent of Muslims. Okay. Yes. And and so, so how did how did that play into your your parents coming up with that name? Oh, basically, what it is is that you see every name. Every name they just come up with in these names and, and just have different meanings. And for me, when they came up with that name at the time, uh, it was during war. So, in the uh, uh, in the eight, probably like mid seventies or somewhere seventy seventy two, seven uh, nineteen seventy two, all the way to the two thousand five. I mean, that part of the uh, of Africa was driven by war death everywhere and so during that i was literally you can say i was literally born in the forest mm, really yes uh okay Ex- i didn't expect to go here but ex- uh tell me what what was the war what was the going wars on? the wars yeah. so in in regards to the wars you see the thing is if we have to just go back i mean you know humans will always fight mm-hmm. that's the thing it doesn't matter whether you're african or whether you come from europe whatever we will always fight it's like that's in within us. We we always fight. We always compete, mm-hmm. and that's what drives you know uh, prosperity, or or that's what drives the nation to go further. Mm-hmm. And what thing is um, what happened at the time was back in in the colonial times. Uh, 
It all started back in colonial times. It started in East, um, um, the East African uh, German uh, company, which came into uh, uh, Af- Africa, East Africa. They came into Tanzania, and they um, and it was in 1885. That's when uh, Bismarck. Bismarck had the uh, scramble f- uh, for Africa. They came together in Germany and divided Africa together. Mm. They divided Africa amongst themselves. The, Bil- the British took South Africa, you know, Z- Zimbabwe and all those places, of course, and Kenya and South Sudan. And acquire, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. And then the Germans acquired East Africa, which included four countries. Uh, Burundi, Rwanda, and Tanzania. Yeah, yeah, actually three, yes, I believe so. Yes, uh, Burundi, Tanzania, Rwanda. Mm-hmm. That's the three countries that were included in that. And so what happened in that duration, the Germans were really, really brutal in terms of rebellion, like people who rebelled against them, they wiped them out. I mean, let's look back at West Africa. Mm-hmm. West Africa, uh, the uh, w- what is we call Namibia. If you look at that country, what they did to that country, it was, uh, it was an example of the future, what was to come in Europe. When they did the Holocaust, that's what they participated. That's what they did in East Africa. You see, in, in no, no, West Africa, Whoa. in Namibia, in Namibia, that's what they did. They they will send, they may concentrate the first concentration camps. Really? Yes, they wiped out almost almost every the people, the natives. They wiped them out in West. Yeah. What, close to what, what was the what was the reasoning or the justification that they gave for it? They gave for you see the thing is when they came in there they just like I said before their place they wanted to make just like any empire they want land mm-hmm. okay they want a place where they can prosper where they can spread their influence and anything and what's the best way to do that just like the British did in South Africa where they wiped out you know pushed people the natives off the native lands and moved them out to other places so they can prosper. You know, a one set of groups uh, prosper. In East Africa, it was kind of like, a, it was a bit different. It was a bit of, uh, a different, of course. In um, East Africa, let's start off with the different kingdoms that were there. Now, my family line, my bloodline goes deep, really goes deep in, 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 the, uh, in the kingdom of Burundi. Really goes deep in the kingdom what, of Burundi. What is it? Explain that for me. So basically, what it is is that you see, my, a part of my com- a part of my family line, um, was very cl- they were very close with the kingdom. They were very close with the kingdom. They were very high. Mm. I can say that you know, and still today they own like, I don't I big parts of uh, Burundi. They own big parts of Burundi. I'm not saying by any chance I'm like this whole. No, I'm not. It's just we go back. I was there in March, and I saw the. Uh, I mean. The properties are near the source of the Nile. Mm. That's where the source of the Nile, the, that's where the Nile comes out. It starts in Burundi, and it ends up to be this big, vast, flying, you know, flowing north, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> flowing north. But essentially, going back to, I'm going everywhere, but essentially going back to um, East Africa, um, the Germans... When they came in, they you know how they, they started influencing the locals to buy their products, you know, trying to create economic boom throughout that uh, throughout that um, um, throughout that region. Just like the British came in America and they started taxing people. That's what they did in East Africa. Mm, mm-hmm. Started taxing and getting uh, uh, natives to buy European goods and all that. And the king, of course, the king at the time, 
didn't uh, uh, just they complied. All right, they had to comply or they'd be killed. Sure, that's how it is. Now there was three groups, which in Burundi and Tanzania, they're all one people. I can tell you that. Okay, they're all one people. Why? So when did they get split up into three different countries, and why? Why? When did they get yeah, split into? So so it happened in the 1960s and 50s. Okay, that's when the scramble for that's when the uh, um, the African continent was uh, changing. And, and regaining its independence yeah, exactly. from exactly these from oh, yep from these European countries, like for I example, believe Tanzania, yeah. 1961 yeah. got there, which it was Tanganyika. Yes, it was Tanganyika before. Yes, before it became Tanzania. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And you know, you know what happened in World War One, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I read that actually some of the, the the tribe members, some of the people in Tanzania, actually fought in yes. World War One. In in World War One, you know what, what what was the first battle? It was in. Uh, uh, somewhere in Africa, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was in East Africa. Oh, that okay. was the first, the first battles mm-hmm. was not in Europe. Mm. It was among these European colonies, Africans against Africans from different, from different colonies. So why were they fighting? They were fighting, for example, you know what happened in Europe? You see, the thing is, what happened in Europe when that person got killed, whatever, mm-hmm. the, the tensions and all that stuff, mm-hmm. in Africa, because they were, they had these different pieces of uh, properties, you know. Uh, um, they fought among each other. They fought among, they fought among each other initially. Mm-hmm. Because you see, what happened was that um, once the ally, the Axis powers and all that came together, and then the Allies came together and whatnot, they had to assemble their their, their military at the time, and their their first battles were in East Africa. It was a Belgium who attacked the 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 German from the from the Congo. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was yeah it was the Belgium who attacked the the Belgium from the Congo, and then it was the the English who attacked the the German from the uh, from Kenya. Mm. So when they attacked initially, that's what happened. And so when they fought and fought and, and of course they lost, of course the the uh, uh, Axis power lost. Hence, why the Germans only spend. I mean, look how many decades they just about a decade or something like that, two decades. There was not enough to influence the natives to speak German. Right now, I'll be speaking German. I do speak German, but right now, I will be speaking German. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So we covered a lot of ground there. A lot yes. of history. A lot of history. It's, right it's, it's, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really, yes. Yeah, so. That's cool. Yeah. So you said your bloodline goes back yes. deep into these tribes. Yes, these they're tribes. Yep. High ranking. Yep. I don't know how they're they're yep, structured, the old, yep. but so in Tanzania, how many different tribes are there? Because it's oh, a pretty eclectic man. place, isn't it? Let me tell you, Tanzania is full of two hundred something tribes, two hundred something tribes, and each really? tribe, yes, each tribe has its own specific. Um, language. What? But the one language that always collectively gathers everyone, even in even in Burundi too as well, is just one. Is this called Swahili, which mm-hmm. is spoken throughout East Africa? Swahili is the the language you will hear a lot. So is it everybody in these tribes speaks two languages? Their yep. their native tribe and Swahili, mm-hmm. or yes. is it their native tribe is kind of a dialect of Swahili? You understand? It, it, it's it, you could say we could say this. Uh, it's it's um, it's a Bantu language. Okay. Which means is it derives from a root, that Bantu root language, mm. 
And you know where the Bantu uh, uh, um, migration, you know where they came from, right? Uh, explain it to me. Cameroon. Okay. There were the, you see, that's where all these tribes and all that stuff, that's where they, they all have the just one, they were all one people. They were all one people. You have to understand this. They're across all, all of Africa. Across all of Africa. If you, look at, if you look at how they migrated from Cameroon all the way through the Congo and then made their way uh, uh, towards the Somalia, and that's a little different story in terms of why they have these fights, Somali Bantu and Somalis, mm. why they fight each other. And, and then you go down south all the way to Malawi, always, almost to the Cape, you have only one root language, which is, which is the Bantu language. But it's just different dialects, different language, mm. you know, variations and all that stuff, just like, you know, Slavic and just in Europe, Slavic and, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. You see, yeah, so. see the same thing with... Uh, yes. Spanish, different, uh, yep. you know, whether it's in Spain yep. or, you know, you're in Mexico, yeah. you're in Dominican, they all have their, the they can all thing. talk to each other, yes. but they have their own yes. slang and dialects. And Yes. So is, is it pretty common for anybody across all of Africa to be able to communicate with each other or has it, it diversified? It has really drastically diversified. It's like, it's like, it, it's like a, a one group, like for example, as the as the Bantu uh, uh, people migrated across uh, the Congo all the way to the other side, the Indian Ocean, they some stayed in in uh, isolated location to the point where the language is unnoticeable no more. Mm. It's only certain lang- It's only certain words that a- a- all the languages meet together on. You know, for example, if you go throughout East Africa and you say water. They all have the same saying in a way. Mm. When they say in Kurundi, you can say Maji, Amazi in Kurundi. And in, in Swahili, you say Maji. But certain people say Mai. You see what I'm saying? Mm. They're all saying the, the same word thing. The word has drifted a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it's just drifted. It's yes, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But then you go deeper into that language or deeper into that dialect and you can completely never understand each other. That's where you get cut off and you're like, you're totally different. I don't understand. I can't understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once it's drifted so far exactly. away, you can't. Yep. Certain okay. words. So you said you were born in the jungle. Yes. And how long did you live in that it, environment, I guess? In that environment, and for me at the time, I could say that uh, I didn't live in that time, in that uh, uh, area for a very long time. Do you remember because, any of it? Do you recall yeah, oh, what it's yes. like? I mean, or yes. do you, I mean, I'm trying to. I grew up in America. I grew up in California, right? <laughs> yes. I always had a house. Always had. Yes. I mean, you know, you know what it's like to be in America. You've been, right, been right, here for right. a while. Can you explain to me what it's like to live in a jungle? What is, What does a day look like? What are you living in? What's Oh man, you, you understand the question? Yes, I mean, I'm trying yes. to understand what that uh, means. So to live in a jungle, it's um, basically what we the mindset that you have to put yourself in is that everything you have to pay the price. Meaning? Meaning that, just like Newton's third law, let's talk about that, Newton's third law, every action, there's a reaction. Okay. So if you spend a large amount of time on one thing, you waste your time. You pay the price. Hmm. So if you spend more time on, on useless things, for example, like as young, as a young boy, we were told or we, we were told to go do uh, certain tasks throughout the day, certain chores to keep ourselves or to keep the, the, the um, to keep our, our bodies in check in terms of how much water we ingest 
of course, or how much we eat because we ate little. At the time, you know, the UN, like I said, during the war, civil wars, like at the time the UN stepped in and, and assisted us, of course, we lived in the, in, in the, um, we moved into that UN camp essentially, you know, out of the forest because they were, you know, wiping out, they were wiping, they were killing people in the forest. Who's, and that's what we were. Let me tell you, man, they are these, at the time in Burundi, you see what happened? There was a civil war in Burundi. You guys remember the Rwandan genocide? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Uh, how I mean, in I, the course of a hundred years, hundred uh, days, how they wiped out like certain mm-hmm. groups of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Bruni, what was happening is there was a civil war, and there was these true, there was these uh, 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 um, tribe. Initially, it was just tribal. I could say that is in a sense all tribalism, and this is where it goes back to colonial times when the Belgians were who which were the worst of them all, who put uh people against each other and 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 in the 1960 in the 1960s that's when genocide started happening and you could do and for those of you who really want to do more in deep in research on this i mean search up uh burundian uh uh genocide 1972 how the uh, key, uh how the uh um government did a collective uh uh genocide like they really plot this genocide to the bare bone like rounded up these uh um rounded up these hutus as they say that's what they call them mm-hmm. that's what it, it comes from bantu hutu mm. which is just means human but it's just one of the tribes that live in burundi and and then there's tutsis of course who are you know these type other type of people and then there's twa which are pygmies who are short the shortest people mm-hmm. The pygmies were the first one in those areas, and then the you know the Bantus came in, and then in the end the Tutsis came in. Okay. Essentially, that's how we went. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, they're all killing each other, wiping, killing each other, killing each other, killing each other, and then it spilled into Tanzania, in the nineteen in the nineteen in the nineteen nineties it spilled into Tanzania, and that's when it erupted again in nineteen third in the nineteen. Um, in 1993, that's when they shot down. In 1994, yeah, 1994, that's when they shot down the president's plane. Mm. And y'all, I'm pretty sure you guys can look this up too as well and, um, and find 1994, that's when they killed both presidents, the president of Burundi and the president of Rwanda. Uh, that's when they were coming from Tanzania, the Arusha Accord. Oh. It was called the Arusha Accord. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was that at the time when they were flying, they were shot down in Kigali in Rwanda, and that's what spilled civil war in Burundi, and civil war uh, and genocide in Rwanda, which spilled into Burundi, which spilled into Tanzania at the time, and so massive people were fleeing, were fleeing to Tanzania, mm-hmm. and my ancestors, like I said before, my ancestors came from Burundi. I was born, and and most of my families were all born in Tanzania, mm-hmm. and so. During that time, I'm telling you, UN was doing everything they can to keep everyone safe and to feed us and everything like that. But at the time, of course, you already know how it is. The uh, I can give you 100% that a collective of countries were, they plot this genocide. They plot this. They, I, it's just, if I can go more in depth, it's like the cryptocracy. Okay. If you know the cryptocracy, you know how the cryptocracy works? Explain it. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, what we have today is because of somebody's is somebody's sorrow. That's how I can explain it mostly. Okay. Because if you see the cryptocracies, these these uh, companies 
these high companies who work in foreign co- in countries. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is basically they go to a certain country, a third world country, and they told and they tell them, hey, we're gonna prosper, we're gonna make you prosper, we're gonna do this for you, we're gonna do that for you. And the World Bank says, you know what? Here we give you this much money, right? They go in the, these countries, yeah, these countries go apply. They go apply, they go apply for these loans, these huge massive loans, and you know they can't pay it off. Mm. They can't play it off, man. This mm. is fact. And that's why, I mean, even still today, there's countries still in debt. There's countries who are who want to prosper, but not in the, they don't understand what they're getting into. Mm. And so during the 1990s and 1980s, that area, let me tell you something, even through Clinton, the Clinton administration, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You, you can go and you can, this stuff you can find online, truly. Mm-hmm. Clinton, uh, um, the Clinton, uh, 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 the Clinton administration at the time, you know, when the wars, when the civil war was in Burundi and uh, 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 genocide was in, in in Rwanda, the Clinton didn't. They said, "Oh, they they let them fight among themselves." Mm. The world turned a blind eye while me people were slaughtered in the streets, mm-hmm. while people were were killed, while babies were mm. were taken out of their mother's stomach, and 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 killed for no reason, and because of wealth. You don't know how the Clinton, let me tell you something. You don't know how the Clinton uh, uh, um, family uh, owned mines and mines of gold, mines and mines of diamonds in, the, in, in East Africa. This, this is people, what, this is what Americans don't know, truly. <laughs> this is, <laughs> really? Yes. I had no idea. Let me tell you, is, you know how I know this? It's because, you know, I know that um, most people don't know this, but for me, I'm really deep. Like I I'm I do I work with governments. Okay. And I read documents all the time. You re- you work with governments. Explain yes. what that means. So I work with governments. Essentially, you know, I was in Burundi, uh, and we put a link on the on the video uh, um, when I was in Burundi between February and March. We were working on a contract. We we're working on contracts uh, in terms of building two hundred homes for these uh, um, individuals who don't have proper homes and these i mean they do have homes but these homes as you saw in the video for yourself yeah of course, yeah you should these videos don't these videos don't uh i was called these homes are not they're not able to take or withstand the uh, uh environmental aspects mm-hmm. and so they're always tearing down of course the materials that they use is just dirt and clay you know dirt and clay don't work well in the in water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <They> <laughs> they fade apart Mm-hmm. And so while we were signing contracts, of course, and I'm reading all these documents. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I read extensive documents of the past because if, if those who don't know their past mm-hmm. are bound to repeat their past, mm-hmm. the, the future. Yeah, they're bound to go back and mm-hmm. do a circle. It's like a circle again. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm saying. Like, so what did you yes, find sir. when you read all these documents? What? Oh man, let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff. A lot. It's like. Uh, there's certain things where you thought, what you thought, wh- when you read something, or, or, or what you thought you knew, it's just eye-opening. Mm-hmm. These like documents, like certain documents that I read uh, uh, on, on, the, on those times, uh, and why things were happening, while they were killing millions and millions, mm-hmm. there were corporations in the back digging for wealth. Mm. There were corporations in that time that gained millions and millions of dollars. 
And these are, of course, weapon companies. These are companies that make bullets. These are companies that make guns. And these are companies that mine in the that uh, mine and exploit the uh, these countries mm -hmm. because these countries are engulfed in the war. Guess what? They're not focused on the. They don't care about these these uh, these rocks. Mm -hmm. They don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't care about um, uh, uh, what's it called? These um, I call it lumbar or whatever. They don't care. Mm -hmm. They worry about their safety. They mm -hmm. worry about the the um, the political status or who's in power. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think it's, um, I'm, I'm learning about a lot of this as you're telling me. So do you think it was, they created this problem so that they could go in and, and take these resources or are they opportunists that, Hey, there's a problem and we have an opportunity to go in and take the resources. It, it's a bit of, I mean, it's a bit of what makes you say that. Yeah. Do you understand the question though? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think if, uh, if I, don't uh, if um, I, I'm I'm interpreting my in, in the best way I can, of course. I think that you know it, it, we just have to go to the root. Mm -hmm. We really have to go to the root. You mm -hmm. know, at the beginning of the day, we really have to go to the root because, I mean, let's face it, man. Uh, the African continent is always been extraordinary, and African continent runs the world. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't know this stuff. Explain what you mean by that. It runs the world. Okay, look at your phone one day. Go look at your phone. And ask yourself: Do you think your phone is a symbol? What are these phones? What are these phones made out of? Mm -hmm. Why are the where are these materials come from? Mined out of Africa. Yeah, mined out of Africa. And guess what? All these mines. And assembled in China. Yes, yes. All these mines. There's children in these mines. You know how I know this stuff? Because I was in Africa. Did you see this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, oh come on. I was in Africa. I see people dying. I, I mean, these deaths go unreported because the government don't care. And this is how I know this. Because I run a company myself, a mining company. Really? Yes. Tell me about that. What you, it's called In Pio, Africa? Yes, in Africa. It's called okay. POA Supruma. Okay. All right? Mining, uh, um, um, mining in Moyinga, which is a, uh, a, um, a province in the north of Burundi, okay. near bordering uh, Rwanda. Uh-huh. And so I, I went there myself, and I said, in fact, a few um, few weeks ago, I sent my directors shout out to, um, you know, uh, Godson, one of my directors mm -hmm. who went up north. And so I mean, they're sending me extensive reports, reports, and reports, and reports. People are dying; they're and really working and dying in these mines. So, is there anything that you can do? I mean to step in, to stop this, to put age limits on who's working, to create oh. safer... I mean, are you involved in, in cleaning this up? Oh, yeah. Heavily. Let me tell you something, man. I believe in the people, mm -hmm. truly. I am, um, in, in fact, in the next year, two years or so, we're, we're going to be exporting some big machineries out there who are going to be doing a lot and make the work safer. And also, like I said, age limit is really key. Mm -hmm. Age limit is really key. Making that, uh, uh, you know, 18 and older, mm -hmm. working in these mines is much preferably. And also uh, having these um, having these uh, proper uh, uh, uniforms to work in such uh, um, situations or environment mm -hmm. is very important in having that. Because as a company, you don't have those things. You know, you should have those things clear. Mm -hmm. So what... What do you think is the pathway to, uh, let's just take mining, for example. Yes, yes, sir. You know, you're telling me that the, the circumstances are dangerous. Oh, we have yeah. We have young people working in these mines. What's the pathway to cleaning that up? Is it some sort of 
government intervention, putting regulations on, or do you think you as somebody who's running a company, can you set a standard that is going to force the people around you to, to, I mean, then everybody's going to want to come work for you. I would think, I don't, I'm not sure how it works there. Is that going to force the other companies to, to clean up their act as well? What do you think is the fix? Is it government intervention? Is it, is it a combination? What's, what's going on? How, how do we solve this? I think, you know, um, I think it's a little bit of combination okay. because I believe that, you know, the, the government has a wide, has a wide network and how they really spread out the, uh, uh, these rules and regula- these rules and regulations. Yeah. And I think that as a company, you should work together with the government in a sense. And, and that's what corporations do all the time. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Okay. That's what corporations do all the time. They say they want to implement this. They're going to implement that mm-hmm. because they're going to check with the government. You need to check and you know check and balances. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure. And so I think that a lot of it, you know, uh, I would say the company has to really look at the employee. The most important thing in the co- uh, as a company to focus on is the employees. Mm. Truly, not the profitable side, whatever. Because who runs? Who who's who's putting their backs and and sweat and and, and hard work into into making the company profitable? Mm. Is the is the employees? Mm-hmm. So I think that the the, um, the company needs to make the first move. And then after that, push it towards the government. The government is going to execute and and uh, uh, spread the news mm-hmm. and, and uh, implement that. And and guess what? Other companies will follow too. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a government in play? And I'm not making any judgments because oh, I have no, no clue. No worries. Is there? Do you feel like you have a government in place that you can trust to do the 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 moral, ethical, responsible thing, or is there too much corruption over there for you to trust that they're going to do their job? Honestly, you know, um, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I can say that, you know, in terms of the governments that are there, a lot of people may say, oh, there's corruption. There's corruption. Guess what? There's corruption everywhere. everywhere. There's corruption everywhere. And guess what? We Americans, whatever you call it, in, in this state or whatever, corporatism, you know, um, we're so busy in our own work that we don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. We don't pay attention to detail. We're so worried about ourselves. That's how it is. We're so freaking worried about ourselves mm. that to the point where we don't even think about corrupt. We don't. Even, oh, he did that. Oh, I'm gonna mind my own stuff. I mm. don't care about him. Mm. Knowing that, not knowing that that affects everyone. Mm-hmm. It's a chain mm-hmm. that affects everyone. Mm-hmm. So honestly, going back to the question you asked me, is that. It's not the matter that the government that is there that you trust is who is in there. Have you ever asked yourself that? Who is truly in there? Uh, in there, you mean in the government? Yes. Are, are you talking about the individual? And at, yes. at the end of the day, you you would say that yep. a government is um, it's a corporate structure that you can look at on paper, and right. but at the end of the day, is what individual exactly. is holding what position, and they themselves have certain amount of integrity right. or more value or right. characteristics. Exactly. So it comes down to. The individual level. Yes. Does that individual have? Yes. And, and what in, in in regards to how it interacts with you or how it's relevant to you is that what do you what what do you have? What type of connection do you have to that individual? Mm-hmm. Because if you look at, for example, how these uh, there was an election that happened, for example, like 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 for example, you look at all these elections that happen, right? Mm-hmm. In the, for president for office. Who's who's supporting all these people? 
Have you ever who's supporting all? Why are they getting all this money? I know they they don't work. They are not millionaires. Mm-hmm. Who's pushing all these campaigns? Why are they going to small businesses? Because the small business or big corporations. Why do they support these politicians? Because they know if they get in power, guess what? They're gonna comply because these companies are the ones who believed or who believe in in them getting in office that they're gonna go they're gonna uh, uh, go forward on the terms that they talk what mm. they talked about yeah, in yeah. private yeah. And, and that's our approach mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent that's mm. our approach because we believe in the people who are there that they will execute they mm. will execute on certain tasks they will execute on certain laws because I'm pretty sure you know lobbyists are what they do you know that's their job mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. lobbyists man and that's what happens in East Africa, man. It's not a matter of corruption. It's just a matter of who's in there and what do they think mm-hmm. about and how can you assist and facilitate and make sure that those actions are fully executed at the right time. Yeah. I, I would say uh, maybe as a counter to, to what you're saying, I think, it, I think incentives matter. And the incentives that are laid out, you know, if, if you have a structure that incentivizes somebody, if somebody's going to profit for some, doing something immoral eventually you're going to have somebody in there that does that immoral thing so they can profit from it exactly if you have a structure that's set up so they're incentivized to benefit the community well people are going to take that incentive because as you pointed out we're all worried about ourselves we're all involved in our own little world so if you set up these incentive structures correctly and you put boundaries on power you i think in my opinion one of the best things that came out of or that the the forefathers of America did when they wrote the Constitution was, I think a lot of it was telling the government what they can't do Makes to the individual. It wasn't telling them what power they have. It was saying what they can't do and putting limits on power of the government. Right. Um, so I don't. I kind of launched off on my own. No, no, no. You're fine. You're, you're, you're fine. But so that's that's why I'm kind of asking about how it's set up over there. Um, not as their corruption because yeah, there's corruption everywhere, but yeah. is there a structure set up to where you can trust that the government's going to be acting in your best interest? You know, the, the people's best, best interest. Yeah. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. 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 Yeah. Interesting conversation, man. Um, a lot of really cool. So I w- you said something about the world banks and these loans and I want to go back because <laughs> no I want to no clarify worries. on this. Yeah, so no are you suggesting that, loans are being given to these countries knowing that they're not going to be able to repay them because then they'll be indebted to the loaner. Yes. That's the way it goes. That's what you see. This is what I'm saying. And and then as you Mm -hmm. go, Mm -hmm. I want you to explain what is the benefit to the loaner? What do they take in place of them not being able to pay them back? You know, Tanzania not being able to pay the world bank back. You understand? Yes. Yes. So for example, uh, there was, let's take, uh, Tanzania. Let's take Tanzania, for example. Right? So, Tanzania, you see, there was a president that recently died. I think you know about it. His name was President Magufuli. He's, he's not that, he hasn't been that long since he died. Okay. And he came to power with a fist, with the iron fist. Okay. And so, <laughs> I know that his name, <laughs> his name is, it, it means, President Magufuli means he, he, he keys. He has the keys, basically. Magufuli. Uh. That's what I'm saying. That's what Whoa. it means in Swahili. Yeah, that's okay. what it means in Swahili. He has the keys, or he has the lock. Uh-huh. He's gonna lock everything. President Michael Forty. And so what he did, he did what any president couldn't do. He did it. He did all these uh, uh, 
he he funded or I could say that he changed Tanzania in five years that he was in president as president. He changed, changed Tanzania. Good or bad? Oh, he brought he brought prosperity. He brought Explain massive. Pro, pro, he brought he he basically did a big crackdown. He did it. Let's take it from from his perspective. He did. He went down into the government. He he broke down the government to the point where, where nothing can be corrupt. Like to a certain degree, nothing can be corrupt because you see the thing. He went on a big crackdown in terms of this huge, huge, uh, a contract that was between China and Tanzania. This contract initially, if you could do your own research too as well, and those who are interested in that. These contracts are basically that the uh, 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 Tanzanian or the port or the the this uh, mining uh, company of um, that comes from China initially was set to mine in Tanzania for a hundred years. Mm. I forget what it is. I forget what the uh, uh, um, what the contract is called. But he cracked down on that. He cracked down on that. I mean, so when you say he cracked down on that, what did he did he break the contract? Oh yeah, he broke the contract. Mm. Oh my god, he broke the contract. And guess what? He found that other corporations weren't paying their debt. They were working in the country. They weren't paying their debt. And when they were not paying their debt, man, let me tell you, he pushed them out. But I know I'm going off a little bit of well. Yeah. Let's see if you can help me tie this together. So right, we, right. we have the we have the World Bank. Right. Gives out these loans. Yeah. Knowing Tanzania can't pay it back. Right. Now Tanzania is not paying back. Are you saying that's where China steps in and takes this hundred year, can make this hundred year contract? Am I? I'm, oh I'm no no. I'm it, trying to connect the dots it, here. It, yeah, I, I, this is what I was going back to. Like, uh, I I went off a little bit on that. I gave a few examples on on. I'm giving you a few examples okay. on on the president what he did. Yeah yeah. Specifically what he did. And so breaking those these contracts with these companies, breaking these contracts with these companies, I mean, it's the government basically sending these companies overseas. Mm-hmm. And so breaking these uh, contracts with these companies, basically you, you, you're pulling the country out of debt. Because if you can't pay the, the, these countries, you see, the thing is, one great example of this is basically if you look at some of these massive projects that are being built in East Africa or any other African countries or any third world countries. These companies are foreign companies that are coming into that country and building these projects. Mm. And once they finish the, those projects, or some of them never even begin. Mm. Some of them never even begin building these projects because they say that, the, oh, the money has been given. Even though the money or whatever, whatever uh, uh, money that's been given, that money doesn't go to that country. That money goes in the pockets of others. Mm. That go that money goes in the in the pockets of 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 certain groups of people who are involved in pushing this agenda, because these these countries don't just make up they don't just uh, 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 make up these numbers or just go ahead and take up these massive loans. No, they're forced to put it, to take up these massive loans, because if they don't, then it's basically the end game, and that's why they killed President Magufuli, because what he did he broke down every. He broke down all these different contracts, and he he really set he really made the African the uh, Tanzanian really work for themselves, and this is why I'm saying that, given them, given the World Bank of course allows loans and to certain countries, all these loans of course are are, are to be paid by either resources, you know, and that the com- the the country can do that can give or. Basically, what it, if you can't give the resources, 
they come and take that they they come and take that property, and that's what China is doing today. Mm. But the America has been doing this for a long time in in South America. You remember the Banana Wars? I you know, know I, I've heard of the name. I couldn't tell you anything about it. Oh man, you know the Banana Wars, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's just basically these huge, massive companies. Mm-hmm. That went into South America. You you remember? I think you remember this in history. If you do, if you can do your research too, or that that in in history, what happened is that in while Europeans were colonizing other parts of the world, America set the South America South America for for its fear of influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they did. And guess what they did? They knew that there was a there was this um, the tropics. These companies knew that the tropics were great for. for uh, um, uh, uh, these fruits, different fruits, for example, mm-hmm. especially the banana at the time. And so basically what it is is that they send these companies into that land and these companies kept buying, kept buying, kept buying property, kept buying property. And the the president at the time in these certain countries in South America, you know, like Nicaragua, man, I'm telling you, they couldn't do anything. And so these companies had the power. They grew bananas and they exported bananas and and nothing was for the people. And guess what? When these uh, when these corporations couldn't take care of themselves or when these corporations, so they were having someone, the president at the time, it was giving them a hard time, they usually wiped them out. They usually kill him. They usually kill the president. The, mm-hmm. These companies kill the president. Or they send the military and the American military always stepped in, of course. And this is what's happening in, in, in Africa. Africa, what they do is they have their own people kill or they pay someone, they pay someone to kill the president, which that, that's what happened in Tanzania. That's why, she, that's why the president Magufuli died. That's why they killed him. Mm. Because he changed the country. I mean, he made the people believe that they can get, they can get, they can get out of poverty. He mm-hmm. gave people, he, 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 I mean, he just brought new, a sense of direction. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm saying. Going back to the thing, going back to the World Bank question, these loans are given to countries, third world countries, who are, who know they can't pay it. But there's a reason why they can't pay it because if they, it, 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 the the reason why they can't pay is because they don't have enough of resources, or they don't have the capability to mine these resources to extract these resources from the country, and the money doesn't go over there to build these uh these roads, whatever these these uh electricity or water networks or sewage networks. That's why they're still there. What do you wonder? What, have you ever asked yourself why do millions and millions of dollars go to these projects overseas, whatever? And nothing's been done. It's because these these millions of dollars are going to different people, uh, uh, different uh, people in the in the UN and people all over the world who run these corporations, who these uh, 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 building corporations, these these manufacturing corporations. They say they're going to bring prosperity. Instead, these these this money goes into the pockets. For example, let me give you a good example. I was in Burundi in March. There was four and look this up too if you have to. There was $400 million that was given. Mr. Biden gave $400 million to the president of Burundi. For what? Because you see, the thing is, during uh, the time of the previous president of, uh, of, uh, of Burundi, um, wh- which he's, he's late, he's dead now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was that the Burundian government wasn't complying. And this is where politics plays in. Mm-hmm. Politics, you know, they're pushing the countries to do and influence the countries. If they don't comply, if they don't comply, you're dead. 
they kill you. Mm. They send someone to kill you. Mm. This is how it is. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying that, um, so there was a lot of, uh, uh, um, I don't know what is the economic block or something or or um, the money you see there was a certain amount of money that was given uh, that the the U- the U.S. gave to Burundi uh, uh, to keep itself running and to help the country itself. Um, so they cut that aid off, basically aid that was given to Burundi from the U.S. Mm-hmm. They cut that aid off. Once they cut that aid off, what literally happened after that was that. Ever since that cut, uh, they cut that aid off, nothing was uh, was happening, because the the president at the time, which is President Kurunziza Kurundu, wasn't complying with the UN, wasn't complying with the with the uh, um, with the US on what they wanted, mm-hmm. and so what happened was there was uh, economic sanctions put upon uh, the Burundi government, mm-hmm. and one after that, after the president died, the president that got on, which is. Uh, um, which is uh, what's his name? Everest. Recently, all the economic whatever was taken off, and guess what, Mr. Biden, he was generous enough to send four hundred million dollars into the country, and guess what happened to that? To the currencies. You already know what happens to currencies once you influence <laughs> inflation. Inflation and all that it goes up. It hurts every, every. I mean that region. I was there. Mm. At the time, I was there when they when that four hundred million entered the country. Mm-hmm. I was there. What What did you see happen? What did you see? Oh, oh yeah. like all currencies went. Whoo. Really? I'm telling you, all currencies did, went so down. For the normal person that you know, they during this time they, they walked into a grocery store. Yes. Did the prices change? Yeah. The, did, yes. did, I mean, did did you know the price of a loaf of bread you know double triple? What What happened? What happened basically was the value. Mm-hmm. The value of the Burundian franc, the value of t- the Tanzanian franc, mm-hmm. it went down. Mm. It went down. Basically, more dollars, the dollars, because the dollar is valued everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you already know the history behind that. You know, the, the dollar is valued everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's way higher than any currency, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And so when their $400 million came in, what happened was because there was so much dollars in the system mm-hmm. when truly there was nothing there. Mm. That 400 million didn't go there. It was speculation. It was purely speculation. Mm. So it's like when they, it's like the soccer market. You know, they say it's going to happen like this and then guess what? Everything goes down or goes up because it's speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's what happened in, the, in Burundi. Mm-hmm. In Burundi, what happened was that 400 million didn't enter into that country. Mm-hmm. No. That 400 million did not enter. It was just purely speculation. Mm. It was just written in. Guess what? Speculation really manipulates. And so what happened was the currency devalued. And so for me at the time, I had to rush in and give out as much dollars as I can to trade it because at the time I was using, I was using, I was using Burundian francs, of course, in that country. There's Burundian uh, francs only. Sure. And so, man, I'm telling you, man, it is just crazy, man. It is just crazy. Wow. It's hard to it. It's hard for me to realize how much a currency can be affected oh, by yeah. you know an outside actor. Oh yeah. I mean, we've seen inflation here, right? And you know, we're complaining about gas prices going up, and I don't like it. I mean, I, I'm seeing how much more I'm spending when I'm going to the grocery store, but I don't think it's anything like what you're describing oh, that no. you saw back in March. Yeah, in, back in, in March, Bur- Burundi. And guess what's happening now? What's Even that? in Tanzania too. You already know what happened in, in 1975 when. Um, when uh, what's it called? When Mister, when the U.S. of course, uh, 
you know, the Shah. Mm-hmm. They were supporting the, the Shah and all Iraq. that. Yep, yeah, Iraq. Yeah. And they're supporting the, the Saudi Arabia, which is a big, you know, oil export. Mm-hmm. You know, they made it to the point where only you sell in dollars. You buy oil in dollars. Mm-hmm. And guess what happens? Burundi doesn't have enough dollars. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know what's happening? They don't got petrol. They don't got gas. Mm-hmm. The country is just running. No gas. Nothing is moving. No economic input. And it's hurting a lot of our companies out mm. there. Yeah, Transport is really high. When we talk about gas reserves, in Burundi, they have gas reserves, but they don't have the capability to, to you know, to just extract that, uh, uh, extract that oil, you know? They don't have... They, they're buying it. They're buying it from Russia. Mm-hmm. And you know the Ukrainian war affects East Africa. Mm-hmm. Just alone, I'm telling you, I mean, it's just they cut off. Everything got cut off. And when you're buying gas in American dollars, when you don't have American dollars in your, in your, in your circulation, you're dead. Truly dead. No gas reserve, nothing at all. When your country just barely scraping by, when your country that can't even produce its own sugar, Oh, it's own salt. I mean, let's face it. Even Tanzania too. I mean, I'm, it, both ways. East Africa, ain't, and there's it's just it's just immense. It's just immense. It goes deep and it goes deeper than that. Yeah. Well, I I think what what you're doing a good job of pointing out is uh, we're, we're kind of insulated here, right? A lot right. of the things that go around the world, maybe we see some slight effects, but it, at the end of the day, maybe it doesn't affect us a ton. Where you know, something happens, there's a shift in geopolitics, you know, the Ukraine war starts, uh, you know, there's some money given, there's inflationary to a smaller country in East Africa. Right. Has a huge effect. Oh, yeah. So the ups and downs, the the volatility of it is a lot more severe than what we might be used to here. Is that right? Yes. Yes, dude, I'm. I'm telling you, man. I mean, let's face. Let's let's go back to to to, to the board. America consumed twenty five percent of the world's resources out of any country. Think about that. You, we consume. We eat twenty five percent of the world's food, <laughs> and that's what a lot of Americans don't understand. Mm-hmm. They don't understand, and we treat everything. We treat everything. We take everything for granted. Mm-hmm. We're just barely scraping by mm-hmm. at any time, and they can just pow. And we're back, mm. back to the Stone Age, mm. and Ogwono Africa is back in time, basically. Yeah, it's it's the reality is that knowing that you just really only uh, surviving. The most important thing is that understanding that I need you, and we all need each other to survive. It's mm. the most important thing. Yeah, and that's when you realize it when you go to Africa. You know, when you, I spent a lot of time in East Africa. I spent a lot of time in South Africa. I spent a lot of time in 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 um, in the Congo itself too, as well. Mm. And you'll find that you know we all are a, a community, mm-hmm. and we all need each other. We all truly need it to yeah. the bare bone because there's someone right now who's working hard to keep that light on. Mm-hmm. Someone right now working so hard to keep your water running right here. Mm-hmm. Someone right now who's working so hard to make sure that you eat your meat right now someone who's working right now working their back off to make sure that you have paper to write on or keep that pen or even shirts have you ever looked at your shirts where they come from i mean it's just imaginable yeah dude that's such a powerful point what you're saying um about how the world runs and everything that we can take for granted somebody worked hard and is working hard to keep that running exactly such an important lesson in gratitude 
I'm telling you, man. Let me ask you this. Yes, uh, you said you've been all over Africa. What's the most prosperous country or region you've been to? Or, or maybe you haven't even been there, but you know of in Africa. What, what, what place is really killing it over there? Killing it over there in terms of economic import? Yeah, or? economic, uh, you know, prosperity of the individual. And I understand there's, there's a difference between a region where maybe there's some, there's an aristocracy where there's a few people that are really rich and then the rest is really poor. But where's the place where maybe has a pretty good middle class and, you know, hopefully there's more people out of poverty than in poverty, you know, that, right. I guess what I'm trying to ask is where's the place that's best for the, the, the larger community, if that uh, makes sense. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, I would say, um, a lot of people tend to say South Africa. Okay. A lot of people tend to say South Africa, but right now South Africa's not looking pretty good. Okay. But historically you, South Africa. Yeah. Oh has. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can, can you explain why is, is, um, did the geopolitics affect there differently and they made it through better? Did they have different resources? Did they say no to certain loans they couldn't pay back? Did they have a certain government economic structure? Like why, why were they successful? And I don't know, I'm, I'm asking, where maybe some places weren't as successful. Do you, you understand see, what I'm yeah, asking? Oh, yeah, I yeah. understand. You see, South Africa, uh, if you look at towards the beginning itself, you know, South Africa, we believe... Honestly, I can go, I can go back a stretch off of, uh, you know, a little bit of the topic. Because if you look at the beginning, I mean, of South Africa, truly, I mean, you have these different influences coming from outside of the uh, the continent itself. You know, you have the Dutch coming in, right? Mm -hmm. And now they call them the Boers, right? And then you have the British coming in, you know. And both of them, of course, they're fighting each other, all these different wars in South Africa. And then, they, you know, they're fighting the natives too as well mm -hmm. and everything like that. It's just that they established something that has been going on for centuries and centuries in, in Europe. You know, they've been, they established something that has been going on for centuries in Europe. To the point where, you know, when they established this whole system, of course, you know, the natives were not involved in, they did not participate, therefore, and they were not even educated to the, they were not even educated to, to participate in such activities. They were only driven to work, all right? Only work. You were born to work in the, in, in the fields, that's all, mm -hmm. and work labor things. No, you don't need to learn this stuff and all that stuff. You don't need to go to college or anything like that. They were, they were given those orders only, all right? Giving those orders. And also, it's a purely mentality. It's all in the head. Let me tell you, it's all in the head. When you say you were poor, whatever, all that, it's all in the head. Mm. It's not the body, whatever. It's not your circumstance. When you change your thought, it's all in the head. So they program all these different people, the natives, that they are not capable of anything. It's only later generations when they start working out, uh, you know, waking up in the 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s. You know, you hear these different war, these different uprising and all that stuff. Of course, uh, in, in, until the nineteen ninety six or nineteen ninety five, that's when South Africa, of course, with Mandela. You know, with Mandela who came in, of course, who really fought for the South Africans to really have a unification because they never, they never judged anybody's color. They mm. didn't care. Africans don't care about your color, truly. And I can say Africans are the most racist people in the world. I can tell you that. They're the most racist? Yeah, they're the most racist. Explain that to me. <laughs> <There's>, 
What it's do you really mean? you're what the you most mean? racist. You know why I say that? Why? Because for me, even even though we're just one skin color, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we'll find something about you we don't like. And they're always fighting each other all the time. We're racist. We're so racist. I'm telling you. <laughs> Is that a, a tribal thing? They'll they'll find tribal differences. Oh, they, oh, they yeah. divide the lines. Is oh, they will always divide the lines. And mm-hmm. I think it's just not about race. Also, it goes just deeper. It's just on human nature. We just mm. we just like to. You know, flock to all the people we similar have interest in, sure. and it's not just about. I, I, I guess I just, I guess I just generalize that to say race, but it's not about race because we're all human, and we're just really driven to those people to you know connect with those people. We really have those things in mind. Commonalities. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all and goes everybody back. else yeah. is the others. Yeah, everybody else is the others. And if you have a thing with us, we unite. We have a unification together, and we you it's you against us. That's the way it goes, you know? And mm. we're just one people. Mm. <laughs> I just don't understand. Mm. And this is what I'm saying. Like, I just laugh at it when I see people you know, say, oh, because of this. And then I'm like, you human, man. At the end of the day, if you were just to take this off me or or just, you know, cut me open, you won't find anything that is different from me or you. It's just flesh. That's what mm. it is. And we have the same thing. We have the same thing. But honestly, going back to the topic, South Africa was you know, it just structure. They were structured. They were very structured, and they knew what they were doing. All right? They knew what they were doing. They set up a system. Every system was set up only to benefit the few, which is the minority. Let's mm. face it. It's fact. It was only to set up, uh, to, to benefit the Boers uh, these, or the Afrikaans or, you know, the British. Only to serve, only, only to serve them. Mm. That's what it was for. And then them over there in the other side of the world, the, in the other side of the lands or whatever, these Zulu or the African natives, they don't care. Mm. It's a fact. They don't care. And that's what I'm saying. It's not until now, you know, it's not until now where in, 19, in, in 1965 when Mandela was set free, of course, the world started waking up and saying, you know what, this is not right. Mm. They step in, of course, and, and then they let them free. That's when Africa, South Africa changed. Now, the thing is, the mistake is, if you give a man that is uneducated power, he will mislead. He will mislead the nation. If you give a man or a woman that just never had a hundred or millions of dollars in their hands and doesn't know how to manage that, he'll mislead or he'll mismanage those resources. So is there somebody you're talking about specifically? Oh, I'm or talking examples. Oh, oh okay. there's a few examples. Look at the parliament. Look at the parliament that is being set up right now in South Africa. All these, there's, there, all these, the parliament, uh, the people in power, they have, they don't have, they, you might have education, but what are your moral values? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? Because you see, some, some of these people never had $100 million in their hands. They never had that. And guess what? When they have that stuff, they don't think about other th- people. They don't think about the country. They only think about themselves. Just like the previous president using the state's funds to fix his house. I mean, who uses the state funds to use it to fix his house? Like, who are you, man? <laughs> who are you? Like, truly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. W- what, what distinguishes you from me? You, we put you in power specifically to represent us and to, to prosper us, mm-hmm. not to just use our resources and to yourselves. And that's the problem we have in South Africa because these people have never been and had, had the, the, uh, uh, the proper or it's just, it, it goes back to the saying. It just goes back to the saying, when you do never, if you don't know how to manage 
If you don't know how to manage or separate $100, you will never know how to manage or uh, separate uh, or uh, divide initially, divide $100 million. Mm -hmm. You just don't. Yeah. So let me see if I understand what, what you're trying to say here. I think what you've pointed out is there's there's been some some people that have come in they've yeah. taken the country captive they've controlled the country and you know whether it was germany it was england you know they there was some racism there was whatever going yeah, on race apartheid and all that yeah yeah structure yeah. and we we can agree that that's wrong yes and then you're telling me that okay well they get rid of these apartheids they get rid of some of the structural racism that's going on but if they take somebody who is you know, they've, they've gotten rid of the apartheid, but if they take somebody that has been untrained on how to manage all yeah. this and put them in power, then they're, they're unlikely to, to, to lead correctly. Yeah, right? they're unlikely, yeah. So, so it's, it's not good enough just to basically break the chains of this apartheid. Right. You also have to give people the proper training and right. education right. on how to, to manage these systems. Yes. These Is systems. that right? Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. And, okay. And this goes. That makes sense. Yeah, this goes back to the, um, for example, uh, let's go back to Burundi or Tanzania too, as well in East Africa. Mm -hmm. The Belgians, you know what they did? Or let let's just say, let's just look at the French. There's the French Empire never died. The French Empire, they had these countries sign these documents tying the French to these tying the French to these uh, uh, these uh, countries. And that's why France is the same way it is. And no other country prints the money. No, no country in Africa or former, former French colony prints their own money. No. Only French. Only the French print the money and they send it to, and they send, and they send it to those countries and then they set them up to, to circulate for circulation. Mm. No country prints it. No country prints their own oh, money. Yeah, they, they don't print their own money. Only those Francophone, uh, they call them Francophone countries, they print, the, the, the French print the money. And 50%, 50 percent, 50 percent of their, of, their, uh, of, their, uh, of their money stays in the French banks. That's why France is so rich and those countries, those former con colonies mm. are so poor. And you know what they did when they left uh, these colonies? They blew up everything they, they, they spent centuries building. They set them the back. Infrastructure. Yes, infrastructure. And and let's go back to Burundi and, and this is what it ties in into Burundi and, and Tanzania. When the British left and the and the, and the Belgians left in, in, in um, Burundi, for example, and they were setting up to uh, um, uh, for 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 leaving, of course, in uh, out of Burundi, they didn't train nobody to lead. They didn't. They didn't train. They didn't have. Oh, let me train these people to lead a government, because what happened was the United Nations had told the Belgians, "You're bound to leave. Okay, you're bound to leave that country. You, we want you out of that country at a certain date. So we want you to set this group of people." to go in there in that country and train them how to lead the country, how to manage certain resources, how to lead the people. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that. Mm -hmm. the, the Belgians just left like that because they knew these people were going to kill themselves. These people were going to kill. Do you think they want them to fail? They so do. So that they can access the resources oh, yeah. another way? Uh, heavily, man. Come on. This is why Africa's never, Africa's never going to leave because if Africa unifies together, if, 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 if um, Burundi or or uh, Tanzania uh, set their stuff together, or they get their things together, then the whole world is under. You know why? Because here's the thing. Have you ever wondered why do, 
Why do every country in the world, every country in the world, approaches each country in Africa as a single? Actually, for example, let's take the European Union. Why does the European Union, Union in the last years or so, whatever, approach Ghana not as a West, not as a, a, a as a whole West African country? Uh, huh? Probably population. I mean, you. I think what you're what you're alluding to is the population of Africa is so large yeah. that if you approach it as one country, right. Africa wins. I mean, they, yeah. they have the population, they have the resources. Oh, yeah. You have to divide them apart. Right. Divide and conquer. Yeah, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And and, and honestly, you know, a lot of uh, these uh, countries don't have really don't have the the uh, the means of power to keep these foreign influences out of their politics because mm. they're told what to do all the time. Still today, they're told what to do from the beginning. They're told what to do because I have, I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> I'm not going to say, no, truly, I'm not going to say his name. Um, I have a, a, a former judge in the Burundi, a former judge, and the ambassador, all these, all these European ambassadors, they came in. They were t they were pushing this agenda that there was gonna be genocide, and you could read these new articles on the line. Truly, I'm not lying to you. Mm. These European countries were saying the European Union was saying, "Oh, we want you to do this. We want you to not come back." They even invited him to Europe, and they told him, "Hey, there's we know there's no genocide. They knew there's not gonna be genocide against the Tutsis, you know, just like there was a civil war." So what they did for him, they told him, "Hey." Don't go back to your country. We'll make you citizen of the European Union. You know, we'll, we'll set you up. We'll make you live happily and whatever. We just want you to do this and this and this. And he embarrassed. He said, I love my country. He embarrassed mm. them. Because he wanted the country. He wanted, And this is why it goes back to the, the whole thing. Outside influences, they always have, they always make sure that these countries don't, don't break up their chain. And if there's a, uh, what they call them bugs, if there's a bug in the chain, they will make sure to kill that bug. Mm. And that's what they do. They wipe them out. Have you ever wondered? Like that president you, you yes. mentioned earlier. Yes. Mm. They always, and that's what I'm saying. Even if you look at uh, all the, um, for example, if you look at all the the uh, meetup, the international meetups, Tanzania, the Tanzanian president, in the last five years, he was president. He always sent somebody to represent him. Have you ever got a question that? Ask yourself no, that. Oh, go I look at that. Go look at those videos. It. I'm telling you. It's yeah. funny. It's just, why isn't he there? Even at these forums, whatever you call it. And you're saying forums, he's afraid of some sort of assassination. He knew they were coming after him. He knew. Mm -hmm. He knew they were coming after him. Mm -hmm. He knew they were coming after him. And, and, he, and it was just a matter of time. And was he, you said he's uh, passed away recently. Oh, he passed. Yeah, he passed away. Yep. And, and was... Um, were they seeing economic growth? Were the oh, especially yeah. and not just um, like I said, we we can say total GDP is growing, but is it is everybody getting a piece of that? You you understand what I'm yes, saying? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So the population was greatly benefiting from what was his name? Uh, Magufuli. Mm. Yep. Oh, okay. Magufuli was. I mean, he changed. He did what? What he did? He what he did in five years? The previous presidents couldn't do. 
they couldn't do it in 10 years. I'm telling you, he mm. did this stuff. He came in and he bought, he cracked down on these corruptions, how these these uh, cabinet members will, will use the funds, the state funds to travel, luxury, you know, going to all these meetings, useless meetings, doing uh, nothing. So it, it was cracking down on <laughs> yes. corruption in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was breaking contracts with other countries oh, that yeah. were not benefiting yeah. to, to the Tanzanian people. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. so was it bringing that you know you mentioned uh, China mining oh, yeah. the resources right. was it it's breaking those contract and yep. then is it bringing that back to where the Tanzanian people can mine yes. that and access those yep. resources yep access those or, or resources sell those resources and, and sell those yep oh, okay. sell those resources and benefit from them and and they're for the people mm-hmm. truly they're for the people from what I could tell in my research Tanzania has a lot to offer oh yeah. I mean, I looked at it from a lot of, uh, you know, the landscape. I mean, we're talking Kilimanjaro's in there, um, the Serengeti's there, which oh, yeah. uh, I also learned was that landscape was kind of the inspiration for what we see in Lion King. Oh, yes, yes, it is. Um, it is. <laughs> there's some of the biggest lakes in the world, uh, oh, yeah. Lake Tanganyika yeah, Lake, yep. and Lake Victoria. Right. Uh, you have the uh, Ngorogoro Crater, did oh, I say right. that? Yes. Yeah, which has the, the largest... Um, big game oh yeah reserve yep, in, yep. in africa i mean yep. there's i mean that's that's more from a landscape side but there's a lot to offer there oh man so i'm, yep. I'm guessing there's a lot of other resources like oh here, there's resources yeah yep. so if, resources. if the tanzanian people are doing that work and benefiting from those resources then i guess i should have, should have started here I, I read at one point i mean tanzania was one of the poorest countries in the world oh yeah and had the highest poverty rate right but with all these resources, that seems shocking. Yeah, it seems shocking. You see, you never know, and this is what I'm saying, you never know until you actually take a quiet, or sit in the room and actually think to yourself, what am I actually going, what am I doing? How am I, what am I taking away? And that's the problem. It's about mentality. Mm-hmm. People are not willing to actually sit down and think to themselves, what do I need to do? In terms of a, a unitarianism, Unitarianism, uh, um, in terms of unitarianism, which is basically thinking for the group, thinking mm-hmm. for everybody, mm-hmm. thinking that I need you, you need me. Africans don't think like that. They say what's mine is mine. And when you think like that, when I come into to a group of people and I say I came in to take what's mine, that doesn't make the group prosper at all. Because I'm extracting, I'm extracting instead of putting it in, mm. instead of putting my thoughts, instead of putting what I brought to the group, mm. and that's the problem with Africans. Because a lot of Tanzanians they do that. I mean, that's why you see them. It's like neighbor to neighbor will kill each other, because you see it's like the jo- running with the Joneses. I'm pretty sure that's what they say in America. I see you mm. get a yeah, nice yeah. car. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go get my nice car. Mm-hmm. I see you getting this. I'm going to go get it in better thing than you. Mm. It's like racing. But in Africa, I see you getting a nice car. I'm going to kill you. Mm. That's what I'm going to do, Ralph. Mm. Explain that to me. So you're saying America keeping up with Joneses, you see your neighbor buy something nice. You're gonna, but in Africa, you see somebody else has something nice and they want to kill you and take it from you. Yes, that's the way. Or they see you prospering prospering uh, at a certain degree they want to make sure they stall they kill what they do is when they kill you bring that down yeah they bring that down they what they do is when they kill you they kill your ideas too as long with you 
So during reaching, I I have a philosophy about death. Like, truly, it's like most people say, man, you're obsessed with death. Yeah. yeah. yeah and if, let me explain this. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Let me explain. Let me go in death with this. It's because you see, if you're doing something that you love, or if you're doing something that it, 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 that you actually willing to die, you will you succeed in that thing. You will succeed in that thing. Mm. And this is what I'm saying because when I was in East Africa, I had people trying to kill me. And this is what people don't know about that. Why they're trying well, to kill me? Well, now you got to tell me about that. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. This is why it ties into it. Because the thing is, the thing is, you have to understand that, okay, what we're doing has never been done before. With all our operations in terms of mining, whatever, agriculture, it's never been done before. Moving the supply chain, I told you about, uh, I was in Sioux City, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. a day ago. And what has been done before, it, w w like how we're moving 5%, well, we'll be moving 5% in the next three years or so. We'll be moving 5% of the products and that are produced by Tanzanians, pr produced by Rwandans, produced by Burundians, produced mm. by Congolese, produced by... We're moving all these products across the African continent. And keep in mind, by the African Trade Agreement... The African trade agreement, which allows you know companies to trade within each other, goods moving from South Africa, North Africa, whatever, moving each other, networking. The problem is there's no infrastructure, so we're starting by infrastructure, building all this stuff. And guess what? When you start building, you're hurting other people's business, and you know what they do? They send somebody to kill you. Mm. And I told you, man, they send somebody to kill you. And when that person kills you, when I left East Africa, they burned my, they burned, they burned the place I was staying at. They thought I was there. You're kidding me. Yeah, I'm not lying to you. And this is... is <laughs> I can show you photos, too. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to show me photos after this. I'm serious. Man. I'm serious. I'm serious. Wow. Let me say... No, it's, it's shocking. And this is what I'm saying. Like, it's not... A, because you have to understand is what price are you willing to pay? Ask yourself. At the end of the day, at what price are you willing to pay? Mm. Because when you do things like, man, it's like there's no tomorrow, bruv. Let me tell you. In East Africa, you act like, it's You have to be a liar, man. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you. This is fact. This yeah. is, I know people to be say, oh, this is stories, whatever. No. I'm telling you, man. Because if you don't do what you need to do, this is what, if you don't know who to talk to in the government, if you don't know who to associate yourself in the government, you won't survive. Mm. Same thing as here. You step out of line, guess what? You think you're safe, bro? <laughs> I mean, I feel pretty safe. You, but... <laughs> you, know, you know what? You're conditioned to feel like you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Believe yeah. it or not, why do they monitor your phone? Yeah, well. Huh? Why do they monitor that, your phone? Yeah, Why do they monitor your, when you're speaking? Mm. We're not saving. Let me tell you, because it's the thing. Because they know if you step out of line, they're coming after <laughs> you. They're going to put you in for questioning. For example, let's talk about, I mean, I don't want to go back on topic, but Matthew Luther King, for for how many years were they keeping track of him? He's tapping mm -hmm. into him. Yeah. Or the Panthers, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. How many years were they tapping into them? Mm -hmm. Following up on them? Mm -hmm. The minute you step out of line, the minute... The beasts yeah. wake up yeah, yeah. <laughs> around yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. They come after you. Bro. I hear. Yeah, you make you make a good point, man. You I'm telling you, we we're conditioned. Even in America, we're conditioned. The thing is, you told from the minute you were born, they know you. They, I mean, think about it. From the minute you're born, they they I, I call it. They jab you with all these different, mm. all these different, um, <laughs> all these different uh, medicines to make sure that you you grow. I know they're doing that for that. I never did that when I was born. 
Hmm. I never had all these what eight eight things coming through my leg. Sorry for that. No, that's right. Eight things going through my leg. One I don't know where one on my cheek or something. Yeah. I never had that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm serious, but really? I never had that. So I'm all like, okay, from the and then after that, preschool and then you know middle school, high school, all those. You're being conditioned the whole time. Mm. And guess what? You feel so safe. They feed you everything. Just work for us and all that. But in East Africa, you ain't doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you don't know how to keep yourself, and this is what I'm saying, I I have a philosophy of dying empty. That's how I run the world, man. What do you mean? Dying empty, meaning that I I wouldn't call myself a religious person, but my greatest model is Jesus Christ. My greatest model is God. You know why? When Jesus Christ, if you know the Jesus story. When Jesus Christ came to on earth, he knew his purpose. Mm. He knew what he came here to do. Mm. So he stuck to it. He knew when he's that he's going to die. Mm. He knew how he's going to die. A leader always know when he's going to die and how he's going to die. Mm. And that's why he runs. He runs every single day when there's fire. Mm. He runs after it mm. because here's the thing, you never know. Tomorrow, the next hour, you're going to disappear. It's just a blinks. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are you here to do? Who, me? me, Man, let me tell you something, man. Honestly, it goes back to my story. I know I'm, I'm, I have a book coming out within the next two years or so. I'm really working on this stuff too okay. as well. And so I talk about, you know, it was during the war. During the war, you know, honestly, there's diseases hitting everywhere. There's diseases, uh, you know, wiping out children. You know, I was on my last, I was on my deathbed, you could say. And you could talk to my mother about this story. I'm telling you. Like, man, she would tell you. Do you know what it was? It, uh, it was rare some variations. Sort of yeah, yeah, some sort of illness. It was a rare disease. I'm going to tell you. It was a rare stuff. You know, things, when you have, like, you know, no good sanitations, mm. when you have no good sanitation, you're not eating well, you're not mm. eating, you know, uh, uh, cleaning yourself really well mm. and all that stuff. And you just have dead bodies all over the place mm. in, in camps and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, come on. Yeah, there's gonna be these mm. little rampant man. They're gonna kill. Either you smell the sm- foul smells and all that stuff. I mean, so I caught that when I was younger, you know. And damn, I almost killed. I mean, I literally, man. And from that, waking up from that, bro. I mean, I I had a revelation, brother. As a young, as a young man, I had a revelation. My time was to go. I was ready to go. I was gone. And when I came back, oh man. When I came back, what? What the Holy Spirit told me, I'm here for something big. And that, and that is to make sure that I leave what God put in me on earth. And that's to make prosperity, to leave my gifts in the forms of, of giving people chances. In, form, in the form of, and you saw the video. I mean, I know it's a foreign language, whatever. They were talking about schools. You know, mm-hmm. we went to the school and they're explaining what mm-hmm. their troubles are, school, uh, uh, the facility, not enough computers, not even internet, not enough good, con- faci- the facilities not designed well, whatever. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I mean, like I said, we're going to be building four, five schools, five schools in the next six years. In the next six years, on that video, it said, I'm telling you, that's why I was signing the contracts. Mm. We're going to be building schools, yeah. and we're going to be, and I was setting up this whole f- supply chain from the north to the south to the east, just connecting supply, connecting points, 
mm-hmm. on where things are going to be moving, how things are going to be doing. Because let me tell you something. I believe in the people, regardless whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're Mexican, whatever. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, we are human. Mm. And we, are, we coexist. We need each other to survive. It's not until when it's not until you your lights turn off for a week, you know, there's somebody out there who's doing <laughs> who's That's doing right. the dirty work That's just right. for you to relax and sleep. Mm-hmm. There's somebody out there spending their night with a gun, making sure that you're safe when you go to sleep. When you close your eyes, mm. no, there's nobody coming in your house looking for you, hunting you down. That's so powerful, man. That's you see what I'm saying? We forget. So there's some, it's like we don't care, but we yeah. know I need you. There's something that you're doing right now in this office or whatever that is helping me one way or another. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm saying, that for me, honestly, it's for the African people. If it's for the human race, because I brought something on earth. You know, I brought something on earth that I believe that if I die with it, if I die with it, man, it won't do no benefit. I've stolen from the next generation. Mm-hmm. I've stolen That's from the powerful. next generation, man. That's all it is. That's why I run. That's, yeah. That's, That's why awesome, I run man. like crazy, man. That's why every single every single moment that I have, because I met death many times. I've mm-hmm. met death face to face. There's in East Africa. Let me tell you, we were walking. Let me tell you something. We were going through the. We were traveling in the nighttime. Some rebels. I wouldn't call them rebels, whatever. Um, but um, they have these groups in East Africa where they I'll call them robbers, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. They have these massive guns and machetes. They stopped us in the middle of the night. And that day, I thought it was my time. Mm. My heart was beating up. I could show you photos too if you like that too. Ba 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 the whole time. Ba ba ba. Now you know, they know, man. And, and my my you know my crew, of course, at the time, we were going through this uh, area called Makamba. It's in the south of, of Burundi. Man, coming from Tanzania, man. Let me tell you, bro. I mean, we came out of the car. They told us to go on this in this area, and they started talking to us. Why are you guys driving at this time? And we told them, "Man, we're just coming, you know, to the city. You know, um, we just finished work." And they started asking questions. You know, they wanted money, of course. At the end of the day, oh, we paid the price. And then and I told them, "You know what? Let me now for me. I always have one. I'm always one step ahead of time. I pull up my phone, and guess who I call?" One of the generals. I can even show you a photo after the podcast. One of the generals, the head of the military. One of the generals, head mm, of the military. Yeah. I call him up. You know what I told him? I'm at this location, and there's some people stopping me. And guess what? He told him, put him on the phone. I gave him the phone. And guess what happened, bro? <laughs> I walked. We walked free. They said, oh, we're sorry. We're yeah. sorry. And they said, Tuabari in Kurundi. And we walked out of there. Bruv, let me tell you, that thing, I thought I was going to die, man. And this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying, man. Most people, this is why I wake up every single day. This is why, because I know that in the works that I do, Mm. in the companies that I run, which is our three companies in East Africa, Mm. somebody's going to die. If I don't do what I need to do, someone's going to die. Just like in this area, just like in America, if someone is not out there in the high, 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 whatever you what call high ceiling or building these skyscrapers, or if somebody's not really putting their back and breaking their backs by cutting all the meat in Tyson and in Smithfield, the nation won't eat. Mm-hmm. 
So somebody got to do the dirty work. Yeah. Somebody is going to do the work. And this is what I'm saying. I must die empty. I want to die empty. And this is why I'm saying I have an affair with death. Because let me tell you, there's places where I've been to East Africa that people wouldn't even go to. You see that place? You see that place where, where all the, the, uh, that house was and all that? Yeah. That was not the only house. There's people who sleeping like sardines in one little tent. And the cold, the rain, the water, sometimes over flooded. People die. People die every day. Mm-hmm. Starvation. There's people who die, who, who die by starving to death. And I saw that myself with my own eyes. And leaving Africa, and this is what I'm saying, there's some stuff that I'm holding inside that I won't talk about here on the internet because if it goes on the internet, no, I'm serious. There's shit that I, I, I just don't talk about because it's just, it will cost, it will cost me because it's one of those things. I mean, you have people, you have people running after you, bro, the mm. whole time. And this is what I'm saying, like, honestly, focusing on the most important thing, and that is where a coexistent we need each other a hundred percent. That's why I was telling a lot of African people out there. There's people that I met that I never seen in my life before, but I treat them just like Jesus Christ did. He treated everyone, regardless of their race, regardless of their status in 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 in, in a society. He treated them with respect. He treated them with honesty. He advised them. He healed them. And it's our duty. It is truly our duty, regardless of whether you are. You know, from whatever country you are in or whatever uh, place that you, you go to, it's our duty. Just like you and me, how we met at the gym. I'm like, bruv, like, <laughs> <laughs> that was a miracle, truly. It's a miracle. And guess what? It's truly a miracle because it's a blessing to have an individual who's really getting these messages out here in the world. Yeah, continue asking questions, yeah, man. man. I'm telling King, you, bro. King, this has been amazing, man. Uh, I had a ton of questions written down. There's just, we're not going to have enough time to get to. We're going to have to do this again. Oh, no worries. No worries. But I do want to I want to ask you one more and then I want to give you a chance to to wrap up. Yeah, so no worries. In the little bit of research I did, it sounds like uh oral culture, storytelling oh, yeah. is still really important in Tanzania. In, in fact, they don't actually even write that many books. Oh, damn. It's still all oral history and and kind of that culture. So is there a, a favorite Tanzanian proverb or story or lesson that you've heard? Do you, do you have a favorite one that uh, maybe you could share with us quick? Um, proverbs. Um, honestly, man, in, in terms of like stories from Tanzania, a lot of it has to do with, um, how can I say this? Like a lot of the proverbs that I know of, I know of really connect with me. It's really just hard to get down to one of them, mm-hmm. you know. But the one that really resonates with me is that um, the story of the the egg. The story of the egg, man. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> the story of the egg. And this story, of course, you know, I, it resonates with me because you see an egg. You might see an egg outside, right? It looks so wonderful. It looks so wonderful, man. Mm-hmm. Now, most people or most certain species or whatever or individuals or whatever, when they see an egg, they think it's beautiful, right, outside. But when they open it, oh, man, there's a surprise. And that's your job to find it out. 
That's your job. And it, and it, it, it coexists with the life. Mm. It just, that whole Proverbs talk about that everything's beautiful on the outside, but it's not until you open it and see what it has to offer or the disadvantages, which means that in life, you walk not in fear because at the end of the day, fear will keep you away from everything. You walk as you walk knowing that where you're going is going to be beautiful, regardless of the circumstances that you go through, whether it's pressure, as in, you know, you go through a lot with the egg. I mean, you have to hit the egg mm. once or twice to make to break it in, you mm. know. Breaking that shell and opening that is, gonna, is what's going to help you lead to the next step. That's why it resonates with me. That's why awesome. I got pubs. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no like worries. I said, I'm going to have, there's a bunch of other stuff. Oh, no worries. We we, I mean, no problem. To, so we're going to have to do this again. No but, problem. Uh, let's finish up with this. Can you tell them any projects you're working on, anything that, uh, you know, you're excited about, you're working towards? You said you run a few companies. Yes. I know yes, you've told do. me you work for some, or do some work with some NGOs. So yes. is there anything that you want to tell them before we're done here? Oh, no problem. So, Excuse me. So we do have, uh, I just want to give out a few shout outs to, of course, uh, Jude uh, and Lisa, of course, uh, who are um, uh, my colleagues um, and are doing extensive work and have done extensive work for the uh, division that we're starting up here. And I just want to give them a shout out and all the divisions that work in East Africa and um we are working on on a lot of projects in terms of like, for example, uh, uh, really moving a lot of the supplies uh, from the north to the south through POA Superma, which is a company that is uh, run in East Africa, that is run in East Africa through all the countries that are composed of the East African Com uh, Federation, and um, of course. Uh, we work with a lot of the NGOs. As you saw in the video, I said POA, Superma, and Maranatan. We support each other in terms of uh, really uh, um, working on building 200 homes within the next four years, 200 homes. Mm -hmm. And we're already in the process. If I could share that video, those photos with you, we're already in the process of building those homes. We've built so far four homes. And then, um, of course... I just want to say that it's 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 coming it's coming along you know what I mean in terms of the mining operations that we're going to be sparking within uh, next December um, a lot of the mining operations mining gold and diamonds and all that stuff but I just want to say that if anyone has questions truly reach out to you know what I mean subscribe to the channel you know for my for my friend here because he's he's my brother I can say he's my brother because it's amazing what he's doing here. And is there a way? Yes, is there a way that they can find you if anybody wants to to see what you have going on or ask you questions? There's is there something email or or uh, oh, social media or something they can reach you on? Oh, definitely. I mean, you can reach me on Instagram, of course, Benefits Roy, uh, which is you know I, I'll leave. I, I should probably give you the everything, the information, and you put it in the description. I think that would be preferably better. Yeah. I think okay. So. Great. Well, King, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you. Like I said, I got a a bunch more questions I want to ask you and even more after this conversation. So it's been awesome, man. I appreciate it. And uh, let's go take a look at some of those pictures. Yeah, no problem, man. Right. Let's do that, man. <laughs>